1: Taking a move that I make, I give it everything I got Cause that what it takes, I push the limit till it break The heart of the brave, the soul of a legend With the will to be great,
0: hold up Welcome! <laughs> Let me tell you what amounts to a beautiful day in my business There's a cowboy item to talk about There's a LeBron James item to talk about. Unfortunately, there's some other stuff involving Von Miller to talk about. There's Ryan Garcia, former boxing champion. He's got a lot on his mind. And oh, by the way, I don't know if you heard the news, but there was a debate that went on between state governors in California and Florida. And Jesse Smollett is making news. Lord have mercy. The Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of The Stephen A. Smith Show, coming to you at the very least three times a week over the digital airways or YouTube. As you can tell, I'm in my new studio. Thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook, the official studio sponsor of The Stephen A. Smith Show. I'm standing because I just felt like walking around. I ain't feel like sitting to start off the show today, okay? That's what I want to do. That's what you enabled me to do because you support the show so much, I'm able to do things like this. And by the way, speaking of that support, always wanting to take time to thank you for the love and support you've been giving me uh, with your subscriptions. Because right now we've exceeded over 416,000 subscribers in the first eight months. We're just getting started, ladies and gentlemen. Keep the love coming. We're going to keep on coming. By the way, make sure to like and follow the Stephen A. Smith show right here on YouTube. Just click the bell to get notified of all of our new content. And while you're doing that, Please don't forget to pick up a copy of my New York Times best-selling book, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. As usual, I'll be taking your calls at the end of the show, along with your tweets. So feel free to tweet me at Stephen A. Smith. And of course, call in right here at 888-727-5303. That's 888-SAS-5303. Needless to say, I'll start off with the Dallas Cowboys, because, you know, when you're talking about the Dallas Cowboys, here's the issue. Everybody's just bloviating about this guy. I mean, just stop the presses. He's an MVP candidate, okay? I mean, it's so touching. It's so touching. The Dallas Cowboys played the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night. Thursday night football, to be exact. And obviously, they were victorious with a 41-35 to win at home to move their record to 9-3 and on the season. For once, they didn't beat up on a last-place team. Let's give them love and respect for that, okay? They've scored over 40 points five times this season. Nobody else in the league has done it more than twice. But I'd like to remind y'all for a second here while we're bloviating about the Cowboys, about beating a team like this. Let me remind you of something. Two of those 40 point performances came against the New York Giants. Another one did come against the Rams. That's true. Another one did come against the Washington Commanders. And then, of course, you had last night and this brother is playing some big time, some big time football. There's no doubt about that. When you think about quarterback completion percentage, when you think about his QBR, when you think about his quarterback rating, it's tops. We haven't seen Dak Prescott play like this maybe ever. Maybe ever. But I got news for you. Even though the win may seem impressive, did you notice that the Dallas Cowboys gave up 35 points? Do you know that they've been giving up an average of 35 points over the last... Uh, and I'm sorry, I was going to say the last three weeks or so, but that's not accurate. It's against the Eagles. It's against the 49ers. It's against Seattle. Why do I bring that up? Because those were teams with winning records. So when you go against scrubs, when you go against teams mired in last place, yeah, you're doing big things. But when you go against credible competition... All of a sudden, there's holes in your defense. Look at this right here. Look at their wins right here. The Giants twice, the Jets, the Patriots, the Chargers, the Rams, the Panthers. The Commanders. Not the Commodores with Lana Ritchie. Hello? Is it me you're looking for? No, not the Commodores. The Commanders, okay? And now you got the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, what, you want a cookie? You want a cookie, really? I'm looking at this. Now, this is their remaining schedule. The Eagles, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Lions and the Commanders again will wipe that last game out these next four weeks. Now, if you see Dallas doing now and they continue to do what they're doing now over the next four weeks, I'll stand down, albeit momentarily, because I got news for you, Dallas Cowboy fans. Dak Prescott is a leading candidate for league MVP. Do I think that he hovers over Jalen Hurts? Well, that depends. If he beats Jalen Hurts next weekend, that'd be different. Or this weekend, rather. That'd be different. If he doesn't, no siree. It's that simple. But even if that happens, even if Dak Prescott continues to light it up on a football field, I will remind you that September, October, November, and December, he always wins during those months. Especially the month of December before nosediving in January. I love it when y'all talk about him and the Cowboys like they're a finished product, like they've arrived. Like, oh, my God, everything that just happened is not going to happen anymore. We're not going to lose in the first round. We're not going to get bounced out in the playoffs. We Guess what? We're going to win the Super Bowl. You know we're going to win the Super Bowl next year, right? That's what the Cowboy fans do. And you've been doing it since 1995. And you haven't even been back to an NFC championship game, let alone the Super Bowl. He looks really good here. Don't he look good? Looking at flexing, flexing. You see him? flexing? It's beautiful to see now. But you Cowboy fans out there know. And it ain't just from Stephen A. Smith. It's from this dude called Southern Steve. You know where I'm going, right? Y'all can talk all that nonsense all you want to. But down yonder there, in the new year, in the month of January when the games really count and the playoffs matter, and Jerry Jones is taking a different additional look at the dust on that birth certificate, blowing it and wiping it off, you gonna have to show up. And we know you won't. That's Stephen A. saying that. Could I be wrong? Sure. But I've been right for 28 straight years. Most of y'all would bet on me before you bet on the Cowboys. And you know it. (laughs) I'll see you in the new year. Let's move on. Another subject. Transitioning, hard transition, is to Buffalo Bills linebacker Von Miller. That brother right there. Super Bowl champion 2015 with the Denver Broncos. Super Bowl champions a couple of years ago with the Los Angeles Rams. One of the elite pass rushes the game has ever seen. Well, I don't know if you heard the news, but he recently turned himself into authorities on Thursday after he was accused of assaulting a pregnant woman and a warrant was issued for his arrest. Now, just to get the intel nuggets out of the way, Miller turned himself into the Glen Heights Police Department hours after the warrant was issued, and he immediately posted $5,000 bond and was released. Why am I bringing this subject up? Because recently, over the last few days, I had to address a subject Involving Josh Giddy of the Oklahoma City Thunder of the National Basketball Association. So, considering that and juxtaposing that to this story about Josh Giddy compared to Von Miller, I want to take a moment to explain to everyone the difference of why we, meaning people in the media, can discuss this matter and not the drama that is surrounding NBA player Josh Giddy. I showed him there. You saw his face. You see his face right now. He's been accused of messing around with an underage girl. But in his case, ladies and gentlemen, there's an investigation. The NBA isn't talking. He's not talking. The Oklahoma City Thunder, the NBA team he plays for is not talking. The family nor the girl he's alleged to be involved with are talking. No one knows. So when that report comes out, and there's an investigation and an allegation. That is all you could say. In the case of Von Miller, it's a different animal because Von Miller had a warrant out for his arrest. Law enforcement filed papers. Law enforcement forced and compelled him to turn himself in where he was ultimately able to post bond and depart. And now the National Football League is looking into it because they have something called the Commissioner's exempt List, where ultimately you can get yanked off the field and not allowed to play. So you see why we would be able to talk about that a bit more extensively than the conjecture that we would have to rely upon if we were talking about Josh Giddy. This is what I'm trying to tell y'all. I want you to understand there's a difference and I want the players out there. I want the professional athletes, the former professional athletes like the Des Bryants of the world to take these notes. We might sit up there and judge what we're seeing. We might sit up there and even have the temerity, the unmitigated goal to tell you what we think you should have done based on your exploits and what you could bring to the table. But you know what we would never do? Go out onto the field and try to show you what the hell you should be doing. Y'all don't understand. That's the equivalent of what y'all doing. hopping on social media trying to tell journalists how to be journalists. You can't say everything. Every truth isn't made to be told prematurely. Sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes that's the way it goes. That's all I was trying to say, Dez. I don't want to disrespect you. I don't want to come at you the wrong way, got too much respect and adulation for you. I just want you to know. Stepping into this lane where you're trying to tell journalists like Malika Andrews and others how they're supposed to do their jobs. Proclaiming that they did it one way for somebody without doing it some way for another, without having all of the information available to you. Just ain't wise, my brother. It just ain't wise. Let us move on. Before I get on out of here and go to commercial break and bring back my interview with lightweight, former lightweight champion, Ryan Garcia, I'd be remiss in neglecting to bring up the one and only LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers because of something he recently told reporters about his eldest son, Bronny James. For those of you who don't know, Bronny James plays in his first basketball game for USC. If that were to happen on a day when the Los Angeles Lakers are also scheduled to play, LeBron James made it very, very clear he would not choose to play with the Lakers because instead he would look to go and watch his son play. Listen to LeBron James' explanation here, please.
1: You know, I'm looking forward to his first game whenever whenever he's cleared and whenever he's ready to have his first game. Um... I already told my teammates um, that if they play on the same day we playing, then I'm going to have to catch them next game. So, Damn right. Yeah, I told, you, I told y'all I'm going to play.
0: That's right. Uh, <laughs> family over everything, champs. I love y'all. Family over everything. He's absolutely right. Now, we know about the heart issue that Bronny James had months ago, where he collapsed and ultimately had to be rushed to the hospital. And LeBron James and the LeBron James family rushed to the hospital to be by his side to make sure that he was okay. We didn't know whether or not he was going to be okay, to be quite honest with you. We're still devoid of the proper explanation as to exactly what happened to him. Nevertheless, the best medical coverage anybody could buy in all likelihood, medical treatment anybody could buy in all likelihood, was obviously accorded to him, and he seems back, spry, as spry as ever, and ready to go sooner than later for the USC Trojans, who are 5-2 and on this season. Personally, I think he's a wonderful kid. I wish him nothing but the best. I never talk about Brownie James much because I know with your dad being one of the top two players in the history of basketball, everybody's going to look to scrutinize this kid, and I never wanted to add on on top of that at least prematurely. Once he elevates himself, he's playing college basketball, you analyze him, he ends up being good enough to go pro, you analyze him a bit more, and the gloves come off and you gotta call it like you see it. But I always wanted to give a kid like him the chance to go out there and perform. But really, the reason I brought this subject up is because of LeBron James of course he's supposed to go see his son because you're going to have some trolls out there. You're going to have some ignorant ass people out there sitting up there acting like, yo man, you supposed to go play for the Lakers. Oh no, 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 no. There are exceptions to every rule. I'll be the first to admit to you. If Anthony Davis wanted to go see his son play, even though I would still support him too, I'd have more to say about that because damn it, you miss enough time working. And even when you're on the court, you're a roller coaster. I need consistency. Boy, in the LeBron James, we're talking about a dude that's a four-time champion, a four-time league MVP, a man that went to 10 straight NBA finals, a man that wears the marquee, not just of his team, but of the entire NBA on his shoulders and is the preeminent figure in the National Basketball Association, if not the entire sports world spanning more than a decade. And the load that he has to carry on his shoulders, he's earned the right to take time off without excuses. But if you're gonna have an excuse, it doesn't get any better than this. I can't can't deny everybody should wanna see Bronny James when he debuts for the USC Trojans. I know I'd wanna see him. And if I feel that way, and if most folks out there feel that way, imagine how his daddy is supposed to feel. Congratulations to LeBron James and his lovely wife and kids. Support that young man, Bronny James. Go handle your business, baby, wishing you nothing but the best. When we return, it's time for me to speak to junior welterweight contender, the one and only Ryan Garcia, on his upcoming fight against Oscar Duarte. Spoke to him a few days ago. Make sure I'm going to air that interview for you now, because he's fighting tomorrow night, and I can't wait to see him try to avenge his defeat to Javante Davis. It ain't a direct vengeance That's not going to happen. He's not fighting Javante Davis but he's fighting, let's see what he's got. Moving up in weight to do it as well. We'll see what Ryan Garcia is made of, but not before we hear what he has to say about his upcoming fight, what he went through with Javante Davis, and what he's dealing with right now and what he's been dealing with for quite some time that he never took the time to share with a lot of people. The one and only Ryan Garcia up next with yours truly right here on the Stephen A. Smith Show. Be right back.
1: This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop
0: me high? My next guest has been ranked one of the best active lightweight boxers on the planet with a record of 23-1, 19 knockouts, by the way. On December 2nd, he'll take on Oscar Duarte on sports streaming service The Zone at the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show the one and only Ryan Garcia. What's up, big time? How are you, man? How's everything? Hey, what's up? How you doing? I'm...
1: Uh, I hope- we're good. Thank you for having me on.
0: Now, please. My pleasure. My pleasure. I've been waiting to talk to
1: you for a long time. First of
0: all, how are you feeling? How are things going in your life right now? First things first.
1: Yeah, things are going great. I'm healthy. Family's healthy. Uh, everybody's doing okay. So uh, that's the good thing. Uh, we're all okay here. Why
0: is this guy right here, Oscar Duarte, getting the opportunity to fight you? There's so many great lightweights out there, the Devin Haney's of the world. Javante Davis is still there. Obviously, Shakur Stevenson and various others. Why is this guy, even though he's, I mean, the guy's pretty damn
1: good. His record is definitely good. Why is he getting this opportunity to fight Ryan Garcia? Uh, This is my first fight at 140. Uh, My main goal is to become a champion. So uh, my coach felt this was the first step to get that uh, title. Uh, to build myself at 140, and uh, yeah, this was the first step. So uh, I just trust my coach and what he decided, and he decided uh, that a first go-around would be uh, Oscar Duarte.
0: How, def- how difficult has these last few months been for you since your loss to Javante Davis? I mean, you were 215-15 and 15 as an amateur. You were undefeated as a pro. Losing is not something that you know much about. What has it been like for you on a personal level, particularly psychologically, since that loss?
1: It's been a renewal. It's been a renewal of the mind. Um, You know, uh, for a long time, I I was lost. Uh, I didn't know, you know, I lost myself since uh, 2020 and I haven't been this sharp since 2020. So uh, it was really a a blessing in disguise. You know, Uh, that Gervonta fight um, definitely was tough, but it wasn't me, so it, Mm -hmm. it wasn't that tough for me, you know, I felt like, um, I didn't lose. The best version of me didn't lose. Uh, that version of me was uh, uh, is long gone, and, and I needed that. You know, I needed that type of rival, that type of fire. Um, and now, uh, like I said, I'm the sharpest and most committed I've been since 2020.
0: When you say you lost yourself since 2020, what do you mean? I've spoken to you on several occasions since 2020. You were undefeated. You were knocking cats out. You looked very, very sharp in the ring, outside of the wing. I mean, look, I mean, the way you're dressed, the way you talk, the way you're Yourself, though you looked the part, and then you'd handle your business in the ring. When you say you lost yourself since 2020, what are you talking about? Because I don't think anybody publicly saw anything like that.
1: Well, you know, internally, especially after 2021, I took my mental health break after defeating Luke Campbell. um, You know, I took a lot of steps back. Uh, that time off, you know, I, I got into a lot of bad habits, fell into depression, and it was hard, hard to find myself uh, back to that high-level athlete that you need to be in order to compete at the highest level and that type of focus that you need. So, um, you know, it was hard for me. It was hard for me to find it, and um, I didn't really get there. Um, again there was a lot of stops and, and 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 trials that i had to get through just to get to the gervante fight so again those uh those things really disrupted my spirit and, and my mental fortitude and uh it caused me just to not be at my top self that you need to be to, uh, as a professional athlete so that's what i mean when uh, i didn't really have myself uh, and that type of focus that mm-hmm. i had you know on that grind coming up trying to, trying to be the best i could possibly be but uh that's long gone. Uh, The person I am now is not the person you've seen fight uh, in April against Jervonta.
0: But you've always been a really, really good dude. And you've always been somebody that wasn't just about yourself, but you were about helping other people. I've known this since the numerous conversations that I've had with you. So let's stay here for a second when we bring up the issue of depression. How did you know you were depressed? What were the signs that let you know that you were depressed? What kind of counsel can you give to those who might be suffering from it, might not even know it or might not want to embrace it? What do you say to those folks out there?
1: You know, it it was a clear sign for me that I was depressed when um, I lost the love for everything. Um, I didn't really have motivation or um, any drive to really uh, take any steps forward. You know, I had lost hope. I had lost hope in my faith. I lost hope in myself. And um, I just didn't care. And that was the clear sign for me. And, um, you know, for me, you know, that revival and that comeback started when, you know, um, I just I just decided that I can't do it on my own. I can't wheel myself out of it. Uh, it was something that I had to figure out how to be educated on. Um, I, I started off with counseling, and um, from there, kind of just built from that. Obviously, um, my, my faith in God um, has helped me through a lot of things, and that's who I lean on the most. But again, I took every step uh, uh, that, that you can. I, I seeked uh, counsel from many peers and, and many people, and I just decided, you know, um, to to accept the help and not try Mm -hmm. to, you know, will myself out like I would normally in anything else. So um, you know if, if if you're feeling that way in depression I, I just pray that you you reach out to somebody you love and, and you really talk about it and, and you really uh focus on your mental health and, and really take that serious because it could turn into a problem mm-hmm. and, and it could get you into a lot of bad habits which which i did you know and I don't want that to happen to anybody else I want them to keep you know thriving and and being the best version of themselves so if you are going through that i see that you I want you to seek some, some some people to help you. What bad habits? you know uh, drinking um doing whatever i want partying um just trying to distract myself from the pain i felt Mm. you know i i didn't know how to escape it and i I couldn't find any comfort anywhere Mm. so i just did whatever i wanted to do and and i was young i could do whatever i want i had a lot of money and and whatnot and i just did whatever i want i was trying to fill this void in me that i couldn't feel anywhere else so you know it, it was hard it was very hard for me But again, um, you know, with the the peers and my family and everybody around me, um, Mm -hmm. uh, they helped me get through it.
0: Did a depressed version of Ryan Garcia, is that what walked into the ring with Javante Davis?
1: You know what? um, A a defeated Ryan Garcia mentally uh, walked into that ring, you know, um, a, a one that. Was deprived of, of his body, was deprived of is you know his physical strength and and ultimately not the best version of Ryan Garcia mm-hmm. who was definitely not in that ring uh, come April. Um, I dare Javante to fight me at the right weight and in a healthy aspect, and I, and I would love to do it again. Again, I'm not saying that to do it right now, but I'm saying let me let me show everybody how I'm coming at 140. Let me show with this new version, you know, uh, let me prove to everybody that. That first go around wasn't the best version of me. That's what I'm saying. You know, Javante Mm -hmm. Davis, let's let him have his shine right now. He deserves it. He was on point that night. So um, for me, I just know at my best version, he can't beat me. Uh, But I have a lot to prove since that loss. So Mm -hmm. I'm ready to do that.
0: Now, you're fighting at 140 now. You fought Javante Davis at 136. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. And you walked into that fight, and I remember you talking thereafter about how much weak you are. I'm not really here to talk about Javante Davis with you. That loss happened. The one thing that I will say is this. As a boxing fan, as somebody who is a fan of yours, I watched you. I found myself disappointed in your performance that night only from the standpoint, like you were coming at him. And I'm saying, wait a minute, this cat is lightning quick. He's the shorter, stockier fighter. He fights naturally. He doesn't feel drained at that 135, 136-pound weight let the dude stalk you, counter-punch you, your quickness, your jab, your speed, and none of that seemed to be there that night. It was like you were coming to him and walking into ultimately getting caught by that liver shot that got you. Is my breakdown of that accurate in your estimation?
1: Oh, yeah, I, I would say that um, it's pretty accurate, you know. Um, my mindset wasn't that, though. My mindset wasn't to win the fight. I I, I was so just—I just wanted to knock him out because yeah. um, at—, at at that state, I just knew that I wouldn't be able to last 12 rounds, you know? um, Mm. I did go into the ring um, with a separated rib, and I went into the ring with depletion. But again, I I had a mindset where if I catch him, I'm gonna go after him, and obviously, that was my downfall, but you're spot on on that, you know, um, I should've boxed him, I I should've been more, you know, I should've took it as a fight, you know, Mm. as a boxing match. I took it as like, I'ma go try to knock this dude out. Uh, and, and that was my downfall. So you're spot on of, of that. Um, it was just it, it was weird. You know, I, I felt like, you know, with the mole in my camp, I, I, who, who can I trust? I mean, I didn't know who I could trust. There's only three people in the gym wow. when certain things happen, And um, it was hard for me to trust my team. It was hard to you know trust anything at that point. I didn't know what to, to, to believe. I didn't know who to listen to. Um But yeah, you're spot on on on
0: that. In the aftermath of the fight, one of the things you mentioned was your team. And you talked about I remember reading about the word betrayal. I remember reading that you felt like nobody was there for you when you had lost the fight from your camp, that Javante Davis's camp seemed to care more about you than the people that you had employed that was working in your camp. As we sit here today and you reflect on all that you've been through, the depression, the therapy and everything else, do you still feel that way? Or are you of the mindset that it was more about you and how you were feeling as opposed to what
1: your team may
0: have done or may not have done to you or for you
1: oh no they definitely did it to me um okay. i was uh you know i had uh the the benefit of you know hanging out with floyd and uh floyd mentioned to me well how, how he got that information so that's not a secret anymore i know what w- uh what went down so i did get betrayed um that's not that's not even a a myth um and yeah i felt uh i felt hurt and i and i feel you know um I, I still feel like there's a lack of belief uh, on yeah. um, the promotion side, mm-hmm. and you know it, it, by the comments they're making and, and continue to make. And, um, you know, what can I do now, though? I, I, I can't do anything. I just know I could box my ass off, and I'm going to do that. Um, but it sucks boxing your ass off for, for a team that don't really believe in you, but mm-hmm. they'll collect that check, they'll collect the money I make them. Right. Um, but they won't believe in me though. That they, yeah. they don't have to believe, but they'll dang right collect all that money I make for them, uh, which is very disappointing. Right. But you know, um in life the cards are dealt and you
0: gotta well, play play. Hey, Ryan, I would challenge you on that. When you talk about them not believing in you, what I would say is this. Part of that betrayal, if I remember what I read, was them, people in your camp, leaking information to the opposition going into the fight about what you were doing in camp to prepare for the fight, et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess what? If they did that, they must have felt it was necessary in order for the opposition to get the victory because if they weren't worried about you winning that fight, they wouldn't have
1: had it. They would not have had a need.
0: To leak anything because what yeah. concern would there have been? What about that thinking?
1: You know, um, you could think of a lot of things at the end of the day. Somebody had to uh, say, you know, somebody had to show disloyalty, somebody mm. had to um decide to take whatever money they gave them for that information, mm. and that's it. somebody somebody had to accept it. Mm. Um, and, and and that's just what it is, you know. I, I can't keep, you know going back to it too much, but I know that that happened and um, it is what it is. I got to tell you this, man. I still
0: believe you're one of the best in the world. I don't care what anybody says. Listen, anybody gets caught with a liver shot, anything could happen with that. I get that part. But what I'm saying is, you got one loss on your resume as a professional fighter. Losing to Javante Davis is no shame for crying out loud. You can come back, you can avenge that, you can fight against other elite fighters, and obviously you got a long, healthy career ahead of you, assuming you handle your business. So this guy, Oscar Duarte, tell me about this fight coming up against him, December 2nd in Houston. What you think about him and what you need to be concerned about going up against this cat?
1: You know, uh, Oscar Duarte is a tough fighter. Um, he's a come forward fighter. Um, he, he has a lot of knockouts. So this guy is going to be a threat in, in, in some aspects, but it's somebody that I've seen before, you know, growing up in Southern California fighting and, uh, you know, LA and, and, and Coachella. This, I, I see a lot of, you know, uh, what is it? Pressure fighters. So it's not I feel like my experience is going to take over, but it's not so much about Duarte. For me, it's about, you know, this is how I'm I'm making an example out of Duarte to the 140 division. And that's not disrespectful to him. I'm just saying that for me, this is going to set the tone. This is the Ryan Garcia you're going to get and continue to get. And this is who's coming. This is who's coming. He's not going to stop. There is not going to be no backpedaling. There's not going to be any let up, you, know, uh, you know, with my new trainer and, and all this new focus and commitment. This is the Ryan you're going to get. So I'm setting the tone. For how I'm coming. That's what this fight is for me. Uh that's what you're gonna see December second is um uh, the, the Ryan that's coming at the one forty division. Who's your new trainer? Derek James. Okay. Okay. Yes, he also Ooh. trains aero Spence yes. Jr. Uh, um, and, and Frank Martin and some other guys. Yeah, Frank Charlie. Martin,
0: Frank, Frank Martin's no joke. I like Frank Martin. I thought that's a fight that you could, I think, I still think that's a fight that you could have down the road because I think Frank Martin is a pretty damn talented fighter. But I, I'll i get back to you because you talk about no backpedaling. I'm like, Ryan Garcia, what's wrong with that? You got a long jab. You got lightning quickness. You got power in either hands. What's wrong with stepping back and catching the cat while he's trying to come up to you? That's my concern about you, Ryan Garcia. That's my concern. But,
1: <laughs> no, I wasn't talking about, like, oh. I wasn't talking about the fight. I was talking about, like, after this, okay. gonna, I'm going to stay locked in. I'm, okay.
0: Okay. I'm be, like, no, I, I was saying, I was saying, no, no, back up a little bit. Don't let everybody, don't go to everybody. Let them come to you because they could probably ain't going to catch you. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> right. Um, I'm a fan also. I got to acknowledge this. I am a fan of Tiafimo Lopez. You moved up to 140. That's the dude to me at 140. That's how I view the division outside of yourself. Do you have your sights set on him down the road? Or is it just anybody that's standing in your way?
1: Oh, I, I'm hungry for that. I'm hungry for uh, the best in the division. Like I said, my goal was to, is to become a world champion at 140. Um, however, that road looks like um, I'm gonna let my coach decide. Uh, my coach decided Oscar Dorte. But um, yeah, I'm hungry. I, I want everybody. Ultimately, I want that rematch. Of course, um, that's still burning inside of me. And uh, whoever I got to go through to get there, and then become a champion at 140. Uh, you know. If we gotta go through Tefima Lopez, so be it. Mm-hmm. If we gotta go through Devin Haney, so be it. I- I'm ready to take that road and, and, and that's, that's what's gonna happen. You know, uh, me and my coach are gonna stay focused, stay locked in and, and I'm gonna stay active because uh, activity is my best friend.
0: What is the world going to see from Ryan Garcia in the boxing ring that they didn't see that night against Javonte Davis? I'm talking purely boxing style, everything, what are they going to see inside that squared
1: circle that they didn't see that night? You're going to see a beautiful jab. You're going to see a beautiful shot selection. You're going to see so much control in the ring. You're going to see so much fluidity in the ring and, and so much control. You're going to see how, how how beautiful the boxing is. Um, I'm going to box my ass off and, and, and look so beautiful in that ring. You're going to be like, man, this Ryan is really on point, he, he, know, he has something right now that that, that that you can't buy this type of focus. you know, This focus comes with determination and a whole lot of thinking. So you're gonna see a beautiful boxer in that ring uh, come December 7th.
0: You know, when I think about you, man, I try to tell you, and I told you this when we talked, uh, this is last year sometimes, I said, listen, as a boxer, you may not be thinking about it, but as a pundit, as a commentator, when we see it, it ain't just the skills inside the ring, it's your ability to sell the sport. You got the look, you carry yourself in a certain way. You're so articulate and you can fight. I was thinking going into that fight against Javante Davis, oh my God, he wins this fight. He is the face of boxing because everybody's going to clamor to him. And I, and to me, It was comparable in terms of what I was envisioning anyway to Sugar Ray Leonard when he came into the game in the 80s and how all the advertisers and sponsors in this the world gravitated towards him. Has that kind of stuff been on your mind at all? Have you realized that potential that you have outside of the ring once you accomplish all the things you want to accomplish inside the ring?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I'm pretty aware of where I stand in the sport and um, how, um, you know, I do have the ability to market myself. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, I changed the landscape of the game. I felt like um, I took boxing uh, and and, and where boxing was at, I took it in my own hands and I made sure that... uh, Boxing caught some fire, you know. It was born. It was it was born to me at least, mm. um, and you know there needed to be a change, and there still needs to be a change in boxing. Um, I feel like I have the blueprint, and I know how to maneuver in this generation, and, and how to pioneer it, and how to lead these fighters into you know getting the money they deserve and, and putting back power to the fighters. Yeah. Um, Promoters are a little outdated in their thinking, mm-hmm. um, and they need to just trust, trust, trust the young minds and, and come together and, and let go of their egos and figure something out. I've, uh,
0: I view what, you. I view you
1: as one of the people
0: that literally, if you accomplish what you're after, you have the power to circumvent the promoters who have been controlling the sport and really take this sport to another level, to a level where I believe it's belo- it belongs. I'm very disgusted with promoters having taken over the sports because they repeatedly do not give us the fight that, that we want to see, which is why I support Jake Paul, not as a boxer, because he doesn't get in the ring with boxers most of the time, which pisses me off. He needs to get in the ring with actual bike boxers, not strikers from MMA. That's just my position about but I like him, but I like him and I like his in When you see somebody like that, even though he's not the boxer that you are, does it inspire you even more because you know what guys like that are trying to
1: do for the sport of boxing in terms of empowering fighters? You know, I I think that um, it's just more uh, it's just more fuel to what I've been saying, you know, um, how you could take your your. Your brand and, and and you get the power. You know, you're putting yourself in the driver's seat. And uh, Jake Paul is a great example of it. Um, he didn't box his whole life, but again, um, he's in the position to make big fights happen and he's taking the sport serious, which I will give him credit for. Um, I think that he, that is again, true. has the right uh, blueprint on how to promote a fight, how to market himself, and he doesn't need a promoter. Um, I'm not saying that you completely disregard every promoter in the world, but I think that they need to be more open.
0: So, Ron, with all of that being said, at this stage in point right now, I know what you're hoping for. I know you're incredibly confident. At 140, is that a weight you plan on staying at? Or are you of the mindset, I'm moving up. I'm watching a Terrence Crawford go against Errol Spence at 147. I'm seeing Boots Ennis waiting for a chance at Terrence Crawford. I'm ta- I'm hearing Charlo talking about moving down or having Crawford move up to 154. You're hearing all of this noise and the money fight seem to be at 147 at least for the moment. Is your intent to stay at 140 and just build that division and own it? Or you have different aspirations?
1: You know, um, I feel like, uh, you know, where my mind and my heart is that I I feel like anywhere between 140 and
0: 147.
1: Got it. I I think that's where I'll I'll be able to dominate. Um, Again, they need me to make a big fight. Um, so they're all going to have to see me sooner or later. Um, and, and that's my mindset, you know, um, I want to become a world champion at 140, though. That's my goal. Um, and then everything else will take place when it takes place. But again, become a champion. I did what I wanted to do when I came into the sport, which was get everybody to know my name. I wanted to do a super mega fight and make the fight happens. I did that, but now I want to become a world champion. I want to solidify myself as a champion. I'm tired of these, People saying, you're not a champion. Man, anybody could be a champion if they really wanted to. Well, not anybody. Right. But uh, it's, it's, it's easy to maneuver their way, you know what I mean? Um, in, in this day and age, at least. When when I hear world champion, I think you fought the best guy. Right. The one that holds the legitimate title. But again, I'm not going to get too much into that. But uh, my whole goal right now is to become a world champion, legitimately beat a Teofimo Lopez, a Devin Haney, Whoever is at 140, and then see where where, where life uh, where life goes from there.
0: If somebody said to you, championship at 140, another title at 147, or a rematch against Javante Davis, what do you want more? Hmm. Let
1: me think about this one. Yeah, take your time. I think, I think that um, I think Me becoming a 140 champion, 147 champion, is is what I want, and and I think that I need that. I need that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm hungry for right now, because that Gervonta fight is gonna happen. Mm -hmm. That's gonna happen. uh, That will play its part when it plays its part. But for me, it's it's having some substance under me, because I've always been a champion since I was young. You know, I was a national champ. I did make the USA team. I am a winner. I have been at the top. Um, True. And I plan to do that. I I plan to do that now again. So that's where my heart is at. Um, That Gervonta fight whenever, however. But first, let me let me let me build that up again, because I know people, you know, they have that taste in their mouth, you know, from that last fight. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm ready to wash that out, become a champion and then let's run it back.
0: December 2nd. Toyota Center, Houston, Texas, Oscar Duarte versus the one and only Ryan Garcia. Ryan, let me say two things to you before I let you go. First of all, I'm rooting for you. You're, you're one of the best things to happen in boxing. I've gotten to know you over the years. I'm always a fan of yours, and I want you to know, and I want all the boxers out there to know, listen, there's a lot of stuff, a lack of appreciation that folks out here have for elite boxers in the world today. I want you to know that this place, the Stephen A. Smith Show, is always a home for y'all. So I'm wishing you nothing but the best. Anytime you want to come through, rap to me about anything. Feel free. The door is always open, my brother. And I wish you all the best.
1: Thank you you so much. Uh, You're a big inspiration throughout the years, man. Love watching you. You're a legend. You know that. Um, And I'm blessed to be part of your show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All the best. Good luck. Handle your business December 2nd. of a uh-huh. The clock's sticking like my lifeline until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high?
0: Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith show before I get to the calls and the tweets and everything else. I had to reflect back on what transpired on National Television last night courtesy of Fox News Channel. Last night a debate was held between two governors. California's Gavin Newsom and Florida's Ron DeSantis. The highly unusual debate, moderated by Fox News host Sean Hannity, was billed by the network as the quote, great red state versus blue state debate. First things first, gotta take a moment to give my man Sean Hannity his props. He deserves it because he came out, he started the debate by saying, you know who I am, you know how I feel, you know where I stand on the issues. So he put that out there on Front Street. Then said, but this ain't about that. This is about these two governors sparring against one another because ideologically, they're on opposite sides of the fence. DeSantis is a staunch conservative and Republican. Obviously, Gavin Newsom is a very, very big liberal. And we saw a very heated debate. But here's what it comes down to, ladies and gentlemen. We can look at Ron DeSantis and we can see how he got at Gavin Newsom with a lot of facts that were pretty difficult to refute involving the economy, involving immigration, regarding unemployment, regarding crime in the state of California, not to mention homelessness, because these are all viable issues that are taking place in the state of California. As somebody who is there frequently, I know those are legitimate problems that need to be addressed in that state. Second largest state in America It's just that simple. There is no way around that. In the case of Gavin Newsom, he is a liberal, that obviously believes in a lot of different things. He's a defender of women's rights. Obviously somebody that wishes Roe v. Wade was never overturned. Uh, Clearly he believes that the economy and the things that California struggles with as it pertains to the economy is vastly overblown. Don't know how true, how accurate that is. Uh, There were a lot of stats thrown into the equation and we see all of this. And we said to ourselves, hey, You got identity politics on the left, which obviously Newsom was speaking to. And you got a guy in DeSantis who didn't really want to address education because we know about his positions and what problems we have with some of his positions as it pertains to education and what is being taught to our youth and books that are being banned and things of that nature. But Florida is doing better or appears to be doing better economically. And that was one of the cases that he was making either way you slice it. This is what I walked away thinking about. Vice President Kamala Harris. You know why I was thinking about her? Because not too many people were. She is the Vice President of the United States of America. Not only is she the Vice President of the United States of America, who is female, who is black, and obviously that is a first in that position, But the other thing to take into account that's undeniable that can't be ignored is the fact that with Joe Biden, President Joe Biden being 81 years of age, with the right doing everything they can to push the narrative that he just doesn't seem as cogent and as lucid, as competent as he needs to be to be a president in office for the next four years, starting in the year uh, 2024, you one would think This is a prime opportunity for Vice President Kamala Harris to be at the forefront. But she's not. Very few people are thinking about her. Sure, she goes to the border. Sure, she has been raised in hell since Roe v. Wade was overturned and the Supreme Court made that decision. Sure, she's been outspoken about women's rights. There is no doubt about that. And her heart definitely appears to be in the right place. This ain't about that. This ain't about her competence or lack thereof. The only issue I've ever expressed about her personally is that, damn it, stop giggling every time they give you a tough question. It's an, it is an invasive tactic that everybody and their grandmama could see. Every time she gets asked a tough question, <laughs> before she answers the question, no. Answer the question. Because it comes across like you're buying time. That's all. Just as a person that knows something about projecting and how one projects themselves, I would prefer that she not do that. But that's it. Everything else, if you're a liberal, you're not going to have much of a problem with her. If you're a conservative, you're going to have problems with her all day, every day. Fair enough. In the end, nobody's thinking about her, or shall I say most. And that is my concern. Because Gavin Newsom standing up there, although if you are an independent or if you are somebody on the right, he's probably not your cup of tea. But if you are a flaming liberal who is about progressivism, Who's about liberal policies? Who's about more government than free market capitalism? Who's about open borders to some degree or something close or akin to open borders? If you're about that, you're going to be supportive of Gavin Newsom. And if that is the case, here's the reality he's younger than Joe Biden, he's sharp as all get out, he is polished. He is an elite debater, and at this particular moment in time, he is the number one voice on the left. Where does that leave Kamala Harris? Gavin Newsom says he's not running for office in 2024. Everybody looking at him versus DeSantis is assuming it's 2028. In the end, what it comes down to for me is this. We have a black woman leading the Senate as the vice president of the United States of America, who no one is thinking about. What you gonna do, Kamala Harris? What you gonna do about that? Because whatever it is you're gonna do, it needs to be quick. Because Gavin Newsom, being on national television, Last night on Fox News, going up against a conservative governor who, by the way, you should have went against. When he tried to sit up there and pretend him and his 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 bunch of of cronies talking about there were good elements of slavery. You should have been the one debating him, in my opinion. You should have pounced on that opportunity to stand in front of that man and debate him on that issue alone. But Gavin Newsom was the one there last night. And if you're a leftist, it was him that was looking presidential. Not Kamala Harris. Who's the vice president of the United States of America? That's what I walked away with. I'm only speaking for myself. I'm only speaking for myself. Let me transition to another subject before I get to the calls. Because this involves actor Jesse Smollett. Remember him from the show Empire? Well, it turns out an appeals court upheld the disorderly conduct convictions Friday, December 1st of Smollett, who was accused of staging a racist, homophobic attack against himself in 2019 and lying about it to the Chicago Police Department. Smollett, who appeared in the TV show Empire, like I just mentioned, challenged the role of a special prosecutor, jury selection, evidence, and many other aspects of the case. But all were turned aside in a two-to-one opinion from the Illinois appellate court. Smoley had reported to police, if you remember, that he was the victim of a racist and homophobic attack by two men wearing ski masks. The search for the attackers soon turned into an investigation of Smolet himself, leading to his arrest on charges. He had orchestrated the whole attack. I paused there because I was struggling to say, what word is it? Is it really an attack? But I digress. A jury convicted Smollett in December of 2021 on five felony counts of disorderly conduct, a charge that can be filed in Illinois when a person lies to the police. He was sentenced in March of 2022 and said, quote, I did not do this and shouted, I am not suicidal repeatedly in court. He now will have to finish a 150 day stint in jail that was part of his sentence. Smollett spent just six days in jail while his appeal was pending. We weren't there. We can only go by the preponderance of evidence that was thrown in our direction. What the Chicago Police Department portended, ultimately what the courts decided. But let me say this to Jesse Smollett. None of us believe you. Let me tell you why, my brother. See, ladies and gentlemen, there's certain things that come along with being black, okay? Number one, when you black, and I know I'm supposed to say when you're black, but I'm engaging in bonic language here for a second. Hey, we black. You don't go out in freezing temperatures at two o'clock in the morning or somewhere around that time in Chicago to get subways. You just don't, you just don't. Now I understand that that's not something that's fact-based per se, it's stereotypical, it's a perception, but I have black folks working for me. Show a hand, I got black folks working for me right now. Raise your hand if y'all going out to get subways two o'clock in the morning in freezing temperature in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I just want to know. I mean, come on now. Come on now. Brandon, Nelly, Sumatra, Phil, where y'all at? Where y'all at? I mean, everybody. Who the hell doing that? That's number one. That's number one. Number two. When the cops came to see you, you still had a rope around your neck. When you called it a racist and homophobic attack, which, by the way, according to the police department, wasn't necessarily immediate. That wasn't the immediate reaction that you had. But when they came to see you, you still had the rope around your neck. Really? So we got a rope around our neck and we just going to keep it there, huh? We just going to keep it there. All right. Number three. You know, I saw that interview on Valentine's Day in 2019, if I remember correctly, you were being interviewed by Robin Roberts, the esteemed, the renowned, the incomparable Robin Roberts of Good Morning America, where at that particular moment in time, you said the assailants yelled MAGA country and they were wearing red MAGA hats. In Chicago, In Chicago, Illinois, where where, 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 where a subway is. Really? Really? You sure about that? See, there was holes all over the place. All over the place. Okay. And. We could speculate that, you know, empire was about to go off and you wanted to make sure your popularity stayed where it was, if not elevated, et cetera, et cetera. You wanted to be relevant. Those were very trying times. Trump was in office. The nation was as divided as ever and obviously pointing to something that lent itself towards race and homophobia because you are a gay male. You were looking for empathy and sympathy, but you had civil rights organizations coming to your defense you had the black community come into your defense. You had them excoriating the Chicago Police Department or whatever. Do I think you should spend time in jail, Jesse Smole? I don't. I don't, I think the jails need to be reserved for people who are menaces to society and are doing harm to other individuals. But should Joe ass be embarrassed into perpetuity, you're damn right. What a shameful, shameful thing to do, it appears. You can sit up there and proclaim your innocence all you want to, but I'm going to lean on Dave Chappelle. When Dave Chappelle, I don't know if he was hosting Saturday Night Live or he was doing stand-up comedy because I watch him often because he's one of my favorite all-time comedians. I don't know exactly when he brought this up, but here's what he said. People were accusing him and others who weren't speaking up on behalf of Jesse Smollett. They were accusing him and others of not looking out and what Dave Chappelle said was, we were looking out with our silence. You know who else was doing that? It was me because I always have a national platform and I always suspected your ass was lying. I wanted to give you the benefit of the doubt and before I go to my tweets and my callers, I'm going to tell a little story involving my boy Jeff Brown. He lives in California. I want y'all to listen to this story. Jeff Brown called me the day the story came out. And he said, Steve, Steve, there's something that's fishy about this. The sun don't seem right. And I sat up there and I looked at him. And I said, could you please stop, man? you stop it man give the brother an opportunity man stop acting like this why he got to be lying how come he can't tell the truth Jeff's daughter daddy you need to stop I mean damn give the man a chance oh you so hard you so you just so straight and narrow how about giving the brother the benefit of the doubt and I said to Jeff, man, Jeff, you should be ashamed of yourself, man. I mean, the time of the type, type of society we're living in, all these attacks, racism, homophobia, all this other stuff. And this is what you're going to do. The first thing that comes to your mind is you're going to say to Brother Lyon, Jeff, you should be ashamed of yourself. And then the next day I'm flying out of town and breaking news shows up on CNN. And it said, the police are investigating whether or not the story that Jesse Smollett gave to them was true. And I said, God damn, damn, because right then I knew you were lying. I should say the word knew because we still don't know. It's just that most of us believe that you are, my brother. Do your time. Do it quietly take some time away from the public eye, a couple of years, we'll never forget that you lied to us in our eyes and just move on from there. There's no hope in convincing us that you were telling the truth. Now when two brothers from Nigeria came out and acknowledged it was them and that you paid them to do that, ain't no coming back from that, bro. You can overcome it and move on with your life. We forgive because this is America. We'll never forget. Sorry. Let's go to the tweets before I get to the calls and get on out of here, please. Let me go to this board right here because I want to get this up right now. You know, I like using my board here for these tweets because some of the tweets that y'all send in, I understand that, you know, y'all try to get at me. Y'all try to talk to me about these things and what have you. And I like answering some questions, especially with the callers. But first, we're going to go to the tweets right now. At NY Sports and Pads with... R.J. Barrett as his, you know, face here. Let's go to this. Favorite first take episode. I have many, many first take episodes because I love doing my episodes. Always, I love working with Mad Dog Russo. I love working with Dan Oloski. Ryan Clark, Swaggoos, my boys. Ryan Clark is there. I'm sorry, Shannon Sharp is there right now as well. Me and J.J. Reddick going at it one minute. Me and Kendrick Perkins going at it another minute. Love it all. Love it all, but I have to admit, I have to admit, there are three shows that stand out. One, was when I was on the air with Skip Bayless years ago after LeBron James had caught the cramps in San Antonio during the NBA Finals in like 2014 and DJ Khaled came on the show and he was like, yo, yo, it's not going to be we going to handle our business. It's not going to be like some conspiracy with the AC not working and all of this other stuff. And Skip Bayless with Kerry Champ being host of the show. Skip Bayless looked at him and he was like, mocking them like, how do you know? How do you know about this? Who are your sources? And DJ Khaled said, the streets, the streets, they don't love you no more. They don't love you no more. I swear to y'all, I could, I still think about it and I start laughing because that was funny. The second one that comes to my mind was when I showed up down the block from AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. And we did a show right down the block at the sports bar. And Michael Irvin showed up as a guest at that time. And the place was filled to the rafters, three levels. It was barely standing room. And all of these Cowboy fans had descended upon this place just to vilify me. And I loved it. Oh, I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. Okay, so that's the second show. I mean, I had so much fun. I literally have talked to ESPN. Do you know what my dream is for First Take, which is my day job on ESPN? You want me to tell you what my dream is based off of what I just told you? I want to do a First Take show live from the parking lot of AT&T Stadium right before a Cowboys game during a tailgate party. I want them to. I, I want them out there drinking, like you know, you know, getting drunk like skunks, and walking around and talking this. going to win the Super Bowl next year. Oh, Steven, I I love it. I want to do it right from their backyard, but I want it to be a game I know they're gonna lose. I don't want it to go and get some scrub team. I want to go. I want them going up against a team that's quality. Okay, but that's number two. My number one favorite was when Michael Irvin. Came down there, came on the show on first take, and he was with Ryan Clark. And Ryan Clark, and he's doing a playmaker segment, right? And, and, the, and the theme of the segment was keep it spinning. Keep it, All you gotta do is go Google it and say, Keep it spinning, Michael Irvin. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about, okay? And Ryan Clark said, What I got on? What I got on? The blue suede shoes. And then he started talking and started sitting up there, game to Justin Field, Shut up, not Justin Field, But he can't, they say he couldn't play, they say he couldn't play. They say he a new quarterback. He said he a new quarterback. They said they need somebody else, need somebody else. What are they gonna do now? What are they gonna do now? Hilarious. That I loved. Those three stand out in my mind. But Shannon Sharp, on his first week on the job, pounding the desk because he kept calling me Skip, and it kept slipping out of his mouth, and then they did that animation with him as the Hulk pounding the desk. That was funny, too. I hope that answers your question. Let's go to the next tweet right here, please. Give it to me. At X-oop Gone, or soup gone, whatever the hell it is. X-O-U-P GONE. Can you give me a step-by-step playbook on how to talk to the ladies? Huh. <sighs> you know. <sighs> there are various ways. You know, it depends on the lady. You don't just walk up to everybody the same way. You have to measure the look of a woman. Some women look at you like they are not interested at all. Some women look at you like I don't know you, and I'm scared because they're threatened by everything. And so it's not just about approaching them, it's where you approach them. They have to be in confines where they're comfortable and they don't perceive you as a threat. So that ultimately goes a long way too. A simple hello definitely works. If you have something complimentary, but not off-putting or offensive to say, that would help as well. A lot of times you, can, you go up to a woman, don't go up to her and be like, Lord have mercy, that body, the good Lord, I can't get. Nope, that's just classless. That doesn't work because you've already objectified her. And usually grown ass women don't like that. But if you sit back and she got on a nice outfit or she's not on a nice coat, that looks sensational. You really, really do look special. And then if the door is open based on how she greets you, my name is such and such. What is your name? And just tell her, I think you're a very, very beautiful lady. I just wanted to let you know that, okay? Very nice to meet you, and I hope that I have the opportunity to see you sometime. I'm not going to even approach you too aggressively right now because I don't want to be off-putting and I don't want to be disrespectful. But if I ever get the opportunity again, I would love the opportunity to just sit down and talk with you. You know why? Because you gave her an out. She could say thank you and let you go on your way. But if she's interested, she might turn around and say, well, you know what? I'm standing here right now. And then she can converse with you and have a conversation. You might be lucky enough because all you're after is some level of communication that will facilitate additional communication. And then you take it from there. Don't try to get it all in one day. Slow your roll. Be respectful. And be incremental with your steps. If she wants you to move faster, she'll let you know. Now get on out of here. I'm Stephen A. Next tweet. Let's give it to me. At who's breezy UK? Will you be playing the new GTA, Steven? Not really. Not really. Grand Theft Auto's big time. The game has a lot of hype and the trailer drops Tuesday, December 5th. For those of you who don't know, I know you didn't think I knew that, but I did know that. I know you didn't think I knew that, but I knew it. Okay. By the way, I also know they're hinting at a return to Vice City. And if they're going about a return to Vice City, that's like After 21 years, now check this out. For those of y'all who don't know about Vice City, it's like based off of essentially Miami, like a Miami vice. Me, I stop at Miami. Because let me tell y'all something right now, and I don't know if y'all ever heard this, but if you haven't, I'm gonna tell you. Miami is a vice. It really, really is. It really is. And it's a vice that some of us can't overcome. It's a vice that most don't want to overcome but it's a vice. Make no mistake about it. Grand Theft Auto returning to Vice City after 21 years. I hope that happens. It looks like that's gonna happen. It looks like that's what that's all about. So guess what? I may not be playing it, but then again, I might, based on my nephews telling me to do it. I'm a busy man, got a lot to do, but it don't mean I don't know what's going on. It doesn't mean I don't know what's going on. Next up, what you got? At Keto with Annie, all right, as it's short for animation. Which borough has the finest women? Now you say borough, so I'm assuming you're a native New Yorker because when it comes to New York, it's the five boroughs. It's Queens, Staten Island, the Bronx, Brooklyn, and obviously Manhattan. Are you ready for this shocker? Are you ready for the shocker? of I'm about to break down to you. The finest women... The the borough with the finest women is Manhattan. You know why I tell you my hand? You know why I'm telling you my hand? Take a guess. Let me tell you why it's Manhattan. Because everybody from Staten Island, the Bronx, Brooklyn, and Queens come to Manhattan. (laughs) That's why. See, when you go to one of those other boroughs, that's who's there. But when you go to Manhattan, that's where everybody comes. You don't go to Manhattan and just see somebody from one of the boroughs. You see somebody from all of the boroughs. When you go to the Bronx, chances are it's going to be somebody from the Bronx. You go to Brooklyn, people in the Bronx ain't trying to go over to Brooklyn. You go to Brooklyn, people in Brooklyn ain't trying to hang in Staten Island. People in Staten Island ain't trying to hang in Queens. No. But everybody goes to Manhattan. Even cats out there in Long Island. They take in the Long Island Expressway. All right. Or the Long Island Railroad to the city. Everybody coming into the city. So if you want a taste of everything, if you want the perception of what a mosaic looks like. You go to Manhattan and you just hang around. and You'll be surprised what you run into. Let's move over to take some of your calls. All right. Want to do that right here. You're sitting here live with Stephen A. Smith. 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. Let's go to the calls. Let's go to Tyler in Minnesota. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Tyler?
1: Not much. How you doing, Stephen?
0: Talk to me, man. What's up?
1: All right. So first off, I want to say congrats on the show and congrats on your book, Straight Shooter. Read it last summer. It was fantastic. Thank you. My question for you. Tell me why the Minnesota Timberwolves are the best team in the NBA, and why Anthony Edwards is the best basketball player to ever pick up a ball.
0: Well, first of all, Anthony Edwards is not the best player to ever pick up the basketball. He is a star. He's got superstar potential written all over him. He's a stud. I love him. I think he's one of the young lions that's going to be the future of the NBA. I love the fact that he got his $200 million from the Minnesota Timberwolves. He deserves it. Um, and, and, and he has a lot to do with their success because he has arrived. I would tell you that the combination of Rudy Gobert along with Karl-Anthony Towns, Karl-Anthony Towns is no scrub, the brother can play, he's a big man that can shoot. I really underestimated his ability. As long as he's healthy um, and his durability doesn't come into question, I think it's a plus for them. I question whether or not the combination of the two can get it done for you because you have that kind of size come in NBA playoff time teams will go smaller, forcing the big men to come out and guard them, knowing that they can't, and as a result, it would hamper Minnesota defensively, but you don't have the backups to offset when you go and take the big boys and bring them to the bench and because you know that Too much size is not necessarily gonna be good for you unless you're going up against somebody like Denver or the Los Angeles Lakers. You're gonna need to go smaller and that's a challenge for the Minnesota Timberwolves. But they are a damn good young team. I love me some Anthony Edwards. I believe in this brother in in all the ways that you should. And I'm very, very high on Minnesota's future. I just don't know if the Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns combo would work. Somebody might need to Uh go. That's what I believe.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But either way, we're rocking and rolling. And one last thing, tell those producers at first take to quit talking about the Cowboys so much.
0: All right, let me ask you, let me ask you, you know what? I could cut you off and just edit out that comment, but I won't do that. What I would say to you is that either shut the hell up or be fair in what your assessment is. First take, which is my day job, has 15 segments per show. We never do the Cowboys more than twice. So this notion that we only talk about the Cowboys is a flat-out lie. We talk about a whole bunch of teams and a whole bunch of sports and issue-related content. We've been number one for 12 years for a reason. There's no way in hell that we could have pulled that off if all we did was talk about the Cowboys. Get the hell over that. Stop that nonsense. That is a lie. Have a nice day. Brett, you're live with Stephen A. Brett in Orlando, talk to me. What's up? Hey, Stephen A. How are you? What's going on, man? Talk to me. So a lot was made over the summer about the Damian Lillard trade saga and his demand to be traded to
1: Miami. Okay. Is it possible that the heat lucked out by not making the trade and keeping a future star like Jaime Hawkins Jr.
0: Um, who say they couldn't have cared, who said they couldn't have kept Jaime Hawkes Jr.? I yeah. think they could have kept him. That wasn't a deal could, breaker for Portland. Jaquez. That wasn't a deal breaker for Portland. They didn't feel like the Miami Heat had enough no matter what. Tyler Hero was in those discussions, okay? But the point is, you talk about Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is one of the ultimate closers this game has ever seen. He's a superstar basketball player. Don't tell me that Miami would have been better off without Damian Lillard. I don't believe that for one second. Put Damian Lillard with Jimmy Butler and bam out of bio. And I'm telling you something right now. It's coming down between them and Boston to come out of the East. But because they didn't do it, I think it's going to be Milwaukee and Boston. And by the way, let's not sleep on Philly. Because what if Philly gets their hands on somebody like Zach Levine to join Maxie and Joel and B? What you think gonna happen then? We can't just be talking about Milwaukee and Boston if that happens. I tell you that. Uh, Fair enough. But uh, I think Miami with Hero, he's out right now. He can come back. He's on the same level as a Zach Levine, Tyrese Maxey type player. No, 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 no. It's not that. You're thinking about the player. I'm thinking about what they bring to the table outside of just the offensive prowess. Zach Levine is a bigger guy. And he's a Skywalker. Now, Tyler, Hero can put the ball up from three-point range but Zach Levine could finish for you in the open court. He can guard bigger dudes. He has legitimate size on him. And the combination of him with a butler, you know, with a Bam Adebayo, or if he were in Philadelphia with him, with Maxie pushing the ball up the floor, playing that hundred miles an hour the way that he does with Joel B being a dominant big man that he is, Zach Levine is definitely a plus. Now, I understand what you're saying. And I get where you're coming from because Tyler Hero is not far off, but he's undersized compared to Zach Levine a little bit. And He's not the skywalker that Zach Levine is. He's a shooter. Fair enough. They're right. all box office players. They're not. Dollar is not a I love Tyler Hero. He's not a box office player. I, and Zach I, Levine, I, by, the way, and by the way, and by the way, Zach Levine is not a box office player. He can, he has box office moments, but he's not a box office player. You gotta be consistent in order to have that label. Appreciate the call. John in Cincinnati, you're live with Stephen A. Talk to me. John, are you there? John, going once. John, going twice. Goodbye, John. Kalen, in Atlanta, you're live with Stephen A. What's up, Kalen? What's up, Stephen A? Talk to me. Uh, I have a question regarding the NBA. Do you believe NBA officiating is one of the biggest issues or load management throughout the entire NBA? Well, I think load management was a problem. Um, I think they're doing what they can to rectify that. That's why the end-season tournament is in vogue right now. When it comes to the officiating, here's where it gets tricky. On one hand, you can point to the officiating, but the officiating does what the league enforces them to do. So the league in an effort to insert and implement institutional control have done so with such a heavy hand that I think it's compromising the game and the quality of the game for the fan. Understand this, all you have to do is be defiant in stating no blows get thrown. You throw blows, you fight, you're going to get suspended. You're going to lose money, et cetera, et cetera. But outside of that, Kaylin, are you telling me you mind seeing when players are arguing with one another, getting in each other's face? you trying to tell no. me that it's a turnoff for you when their intensity level raises to the point where you see real animosity between them? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Because I know you're not. No. We love no. that. And the officials don't need to be getting in the way of that. And they don't need to be giving out texts when 16 texts can ultimately lead to a one-game suspension and thereafter two additional texts can lead to another suspension. They don't need to be jeopardizing that with players because now you're getting in the way of potential playoff matchups. You don't want Draymond Green out for a game like he was with Sacramento or he was years ago in the finals against Cleveland. You don't want to see that kind of stuff happening. You want cats that are on the basketball court. As long as they're not throwing blows, as long as they're not doing things to physically harm one another, but the intensity level raises and they really go at one another, just make sure that the fines are punitive enough to dissuade them from even thinking about engaging in fisticuffs because the money that it's going to cost them is really going to be bad that's all you have to do you don't have to do more than that where you get you in technical fouls, or the referees can't take uh players going off on them because they don't feel the referees are doing a good job get the hell over it that's what you get paid to do the job for
1: i agree with you on that
0: all right appreciate all right. the call jonathan thank you let's go to jonathan uh you live with Stephen a talk to me jonathan how are you
1: How's it going, Stephen A, man? I got a question for you. Do uh, you think the L.A. Chargers should go after Bill Belichick? Of course they should.
0: I, for, well, first of all, you need to fire your coach, okay? Yep, most definitely. Uh, uh, Staley is not the answer. And by the way, Telesco, who's who's hired three different coaches over the last 10 years, he might need to go too. How are we going to say uh, Staley needs to go, but we don't say anything about the GM that hired him? And has hired numerous coaches, and none of them seem to work. How about that? So we got to take that into consideration. But the other thing that we have to do is this. <sighs> Justin Herbert is a star caliber talent. He doesn't look that way this year, but he is a star caliber talent with 6'6 and that arm. and, And what we've seen in terms of his abilities, clearly coaching is a problem. Nobody would too, nobody with half a brain would question the coaching brilliance of a Bill Belichick. We might question him as a GM picking players because he doesn't do a good job at that. But the players that he actually has and how he coaches them, this man is a phenomenal, phenomenal coach. He's a six-time champion as a head coach, a two-time champion as a defensive coordinator. That gives him eight titles. Eight titles, man. This is who he is. And when you consider his level of greatness, there is no way around around it. You have to sit up there and give him love, respect and credit where it's due and understand that if Bill Belichick was on a free agent market, there is no coach who should be more sought after. Now, you don't want to give him complete power and autonomy to pick the players because he's shown that he doesn't he isn't great at that. But actually coaching and overseeing a franchise from a coaching perspective, there's none better. There's none better. You do what you can to go get him. No doubt about
1: it. Yeah, I agree to 100 percent, man. But I'm just worried that the Charters not going to give Bill Belichick the money. That's well, if they the don't give him the money. Hey, listen, that's man.
0: Coach. Hey, how about this one? If they don't give him the money, go out and get a defensive-minded coach, let's say like a Rex Ryan, and let Kellen Moore coach the offense. How about that? That would actually be good. We, we need that, a that's, that's, that's an alternative. It's, that's not, it's not Bill Belichick, but it is a quality alternative that I think should be taken into consideration.
1: That's like the Chargers are soft as a team, man. They get bullied every, every game. There you go. Can, Appreciate the call. man.
0: All right. Yep. Thank you, Jonathan. Nice. Take care of yourself. Have a yep. great weekend. That's it for today's episode of the Stephen A. Smith Show. I got to get on out of here. I got a lot of work to get into. I want to thank Ryan Garcia, the former lightweight champion of the world, for being on the show, blessing us with his time and his presence. I certainly wanted to attack the issues that needed to be attacked. Once again, our vice president. <sighs> There's somebody that is a governor that is considered a more viable candidate than you. I mean, we got to get that together. You got to fix that. Plain and simple. There's a lot of stuff to get into. I'm looking forward to this weekend's game, the 49ers versus the Eagles, uh, along with various others. Let's not sleep on the Texans. And their matchup, C.J. Stroud and those boys, and, and who they're going up against this weekend. So we got to pay attention to all of that. That's something that I'm looking forward to as well. And, of course, my basketball, because I'll be in Vegas next week. That in-season tournament is going on, semifinals and the finals. I'll be there in Las Vegas, Nevada. But until then, this is the Stephen A. Smith Show signing off. Until next time, peace and love, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show.